Welcome to the Art of Faith podcast. It's where myself, Pastor Joshua Kapczynski, and my co-host... Pastor Joel Fairley of the First Baptist Church of Claremont. We get together and we talk about art, uh, its impact, and of course, faith. And today we have... I'm really excited about today. Today we have a special guest, another local Claremont pastor, Pastor Kurt Phillips from Tapestry Church. Tell us a little bit about yourself, yourself, Kurt, and then we're going to get into the fun stuff. A uh, little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Kurt. Yep. I live in Claremont. I am a pastor in Claremont. Yay. And uh, I've been married for almost five years. Has it been that long? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And, uh, also, when I first met you, you weren't married. No. Because that was almost eight years ago. Yeah. Now I'm wow. married. And that's, I mean, there you go. All right. Let's start off with the faith uh, part first, sure. and then we'll get into your cool art and other things that you've done artistically, which I admire greatly. Um, okay, so how long have you been pastoring? Uh... Probably seven or eight years. Yeah. I think, yeah. And your church is called Tapestry. Correct. Tell us about that. What's the meaning of the name? And Yeah. So um, I did not plant the church. Yeah. I actually was just uh, a part of, I just was going to the church. And uh, the founder of the church, he uh, one day asked me if I wanted to be a pastor. And I said, no. <laughs> so, Good call. Um, Sometimes Josh and I wish we said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? Um, I know that the uh, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, and yeah. I knew that like it doesn't just because. And, and I started going to Tapestry Church because it was a smaller group, and I was so heavily involved in church ministry in the previous church that I attended. Big church, right? Um, no, this was a little smaller one, but the, in both churches, both two, the church before that was a bigger church, and uh, I was very heavily involved, and I kind of just wanted to just be a part of a, a Christian community, and so I didn't want to jump too much into church ministry, and I kind of laid low yeah. And just tried to blend in and just heal and be a part of a family. Um, and then, uh, you know, the you know the the pastor, he found out that I led worship. And he asked me if I wanted to lead worship. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I realized the Lord, as I continue to read the Word, and as I continue to hear the pastor preach the Word, um, it was the Holy Spirit convicting me that, that Kurt, like, I've given you these gifts to love and to serve the church with. Mm. Um, and so I, you know, I went into it open-minded. Yeah, sure, I'll, you know, I need, the only person that's holding this back is my pride mm. um, and what God has for my life. It's my pride, and for whatever reason, baggage, whatever, um, I just... Uh, you know, I, I, I died to it at a on a regular basis, and I just started leading worship. And then um, the pastor asked me if I wanted to teach, and because I kind of eventually told him that I used to lead a, a college group at the other church I was at. And, uh, and so I taught, and then he kind of asked me again about being a pastor. And, you know, that was when I kind of started considering it. And 
then we kind of went through a process, like a, a year-long process of going through some training. Yeah. And then um, I got ordained, and you were there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then about a month after that, um, the founding pastor was gone. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, um, the board decided... Asked me like, do you well? Do you want to do this? <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so, so you inherited the church. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of in my court. Yeah. Well, it's like I just became a pastor, and uh, my heart was that people were still coming and needed to be ministered to. Yeah. And wow. so as people continued to come, I was just wanted to be there to minister to them. And so I was like, well, let me just go on for a couple months, and then I'll reassess, and then a couple months, and I'll reassess, and then it became, all right, I'll do this for another year, and I'll yeah. reassess, and another year, and that went on for a, a, a couple years, um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, we've we've been in multiple locations, we've been in a, um, a small little bookstore in the Claremont Village we were meeting at um, when COVID hit, um, they kind of took our keys away. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but we were grateful. Um, yeah. we, we, we had the opportunity to start meeting outside at the Padua Hills Theater, historic yeah, building. Yeah, that's cool. And then um, once they started booking up weddings again, they gave us a fair notice, and um, the Lord opened the door for us to meet at the Lemley Movie Theater in the, in the Claremont Village, and we've been there um, since last August. That's oh, wow. great. Yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a tremendous blessing and a great partnership and um, we're also looking forward to on April 16th we're renting out the theater um, to screen The Passion of the Christ. Our church is going to be sponsoring it so it's free to anybody that yeah. wants to attend it. It's at 10 a.m. that day. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because we off, Joel and I often have a conversation about The Passion. <laughs> juxtaposed to the chosen mm -hmm. okay so uh, we're both big fans of the passion mm -hmm. like artistically and you know right. when we're thinking about you know who jesus is what did he look like you know in my mind it's jim caviezel my, there might be a couple of others but you know we always kind of have this conversation so um Joel and I have done a couple of uh, Chosen reveals where we've watched Chosen for the first time on mm. the podcast and we respond to it. <laughs> and so, because we feel guilty that we haven't watched it and our entire congregations have all watched it and they make us feel bad. I feel like a bad Christian. I've like, never seen it. Yes! <laughs> okay. I, and I, I hear the I same thing. I think I'm all... I'm all I'm all caught up in the Are first you really? season. Uh, I've been... Yeah, I'm all uh, caught up in the so first season. So it's not season. like a mini-series. It's like multiple seasons? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, I get the same thing. They don't like, no, the first season doesn't even. It yeah, it, it barely called all the disciples. Yeah. In the first season. Wow. Yeah, it's no, it's. But I heard it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I, that's just weird. That's like good. I've never seen it though. I know. As much as people keep telling yeah, me about so it. So you're a bad pastor too. <laughs> yeah. You're a bad I don't <laughs> Yeah. Where, how do you watch it anyway? It's like, you can watch I, it on an app. Well, that's what I hear, that you have to download an app. Yeah. You download an app. And, and it's free, it's, right? It's free because yeah. it gives you opportunity to, to give to it. And, yeah. to, um, and what they do is they have, they have a fundraiser for each, each season. And right now, if you look at the fundraiser progress, it says we are such and such amount of money towards the third season. Yeah. Wow. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's yeah. a brilliant way yeah. of doing it. Yeah. I don't know what's keeping me from it. It's like, like I maybe said, it, you're a bad Christian, Kurt. That's why. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have been bringing I it know. up. They, they give you a hard time, huh? Yeah. Okay, so 
I love what you do in Claremont. And in many ways, COVID made us all adjust and pivot and be creative. So Joel, he was he did a daily devotional for how many days straight online? Over over three hundred. Wow. Over three hundred days straight. Yeah. I took I took a week off when I was on vacation. Vacation, but yeah. So like he got creative and we got creative. A lot of churches had to pivot and get creative, but. Your ministry started off that way. You've been pivoting since day one. Right. I mean, yeah. like I said, when the church got thrown on my lap, yeah. I didn't even know who to pay the rent to. Yeah. I, I didn't even know. Um, I didn't even know who the insurance company was. Oh my gosh. You know, I didn't. You know, we had we had contracts with like you know, uh, you know, off electronic offices. We had a yeah. storage unit. We had you know, and so like I didn't had to, I, I had to get access to the bank and all kinds of stuff with that. Um, that kind of you kind of yeah. don't think about naturally, but it was uh, yeah. So I I've kind of always had to to be able to adapt, but um, it's amazing what the Lord has done in me through the process. Where it's right. like kind of the the more that that happens, the less I respond like in the way that maybe I would have previously responded. Yeah. Where it's like the Lord's gonna provide. You know? So you've been walking in faith since you began your ministry pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is at that time, I was also getting laid off from a job that I was working I at for almost 10 years. That, yeah. So it was, the, yeah. it was like the same time. And then it was, I wanted to propose to my now wife at that time. But like I said, all of that stuff happened at once. And so that put that on the back burner. So I'm like, I'm not going to yeah. propose. Like, I don't, even, I, you know, I don't even know where I'm going to be working. And so, um, but yeah, it was, but that was probably one of the tougher times of my life. However, um, looking back at it, I'm amazed at, and I'm grateful for the work that God did in my life and in my heart and in my faith. That's awesome. Uh, Education-wise, are you Biola or Talbot? Biola. Biola. So you got your I got my bachelor's at Biola, and I got my master's at Claremont Graduate. And that's what I'm jealous of. (laughs) <laughs> Biola's cool, but you did the Drucker route, right? Yeah, I did the the, the business uh, route through Drucker wow. um, at Claremont Graduate, and uh, uh, very grateful for it. I looked up to Drucker even in my undergrad when I was at Biola. I took an entire course just on Drucker style of management, mm. and we we read um, wow. Drucker's uh, manage the book manage just called Management. And uh, we would just read case studies after case studies every week, and then we would use Drucker's philosophy of business um, to respond to each case. Mm. And so looking at Peter Drucker's philosophy of leadership uh, was very, 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 um, I don't know the word to say, but it was um, very encouraging to me to see that, like, um, you can use, like, Christian... um, methods in order Principles. to to, yeah. to lead not only in the professional world but um, but also you can be very successful in terms of, of business but it all it all goes back to your love and your care for not only your people but your product and what you're doing yeah um, and so those are the two main things and you focus on those things and you invest in those things yeah and that's what causes it to grow and to be successful and the irony is like most churches don't manage in those with those biblical principles Mm. they don't they don't treat people as people 
I should. I'm gonna generalize, but we've all experienced. Churches. There is a there is a danger. Yeah. And, yeah. and a tendency, which is a harmful tendency too, to treat people as resources. Yes. And not people. Yes. And right. so when people, you know, again, I don't want to be critical of, of bigger churches, but it, te- it tends to happen in bigger churches where they're just a resource to be used yeah. and not a family to be loved. Mm. And Drucker was brilliant at building value mm. into people. Yeah, and that was the thing is, is um, he saw that everybody had some value and to find what that is and nurture it. Yeah. And then to maximize that element of that person. And then not only that, training them into be leaders. Mm. Um, and so I, I thought that that was uh, very unique and very um, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, fun note, I did the estate sale for Drucker's personal secretary. Oh, wow. wow. She had some cool stuff. So there are a couple of things. Here in Claremont? Uh, it was not in Claremont. It was in Orange County. But, oh, wow. yeah, she was she worked with him here in Claremont. Oh, wow. And um, I don't know what happened to his estate after his wife passed, but I had dibs on that. I don't know who did it, but I almost did Drucker's estate. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That would have been awesome. Um, but I think everything that he owned went to the Japanese market. Oh, wow. Because the Japanese love Drucker. Oh, yeah. Th- that's and, the thing. Oh, is, wow. So, yeah. so. The Drucker School of Management here in Claremont, um, you know, it's not like one of the more famous business schools in the in the United States, but Drucker is like a rock star. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah. And so yeah, he's he's huge. But like, it's not like it's like a Harvard Business School or, or you know Stanford or right. something like that. But like in the United States, he's not as known or or that popular. But all over the world, like in Asia, Japan, China, yeah. he's huge. Huge. So here's a. A dirty rumor. I can't prove it, but it's still gossip, and well, we'll just gossip. So, supposedly, Drucker bought his wife a black panthered fur coat. Oh, dang. Yeah. Endangered species type of black panther. So, there's the dirty little secret on Drucker. He loved his wife that much that he brought a, bought a... Is that true? I don't know. That's what, that's what his secretary <laughs> we'll told me. We'll put that so. out there. <laughs> All right, we should probably cut that part out because that, that's gossip and rumor. Um, sorry, I think I, I went to a leadership conference when I was in the first chapter of my ministry, and um, I I think he was there, and he he told this story. I think it was him. He told this story that um, there was a there was a young man who was visiting a CEO of the company and he wanted to just glean from him, mm-hmm. glean from him, everything. He says, so what is the secret of, um, what is the secret of success? And he, the leader says, the CEO says, two words. Good decisions. And he says, well, how do you make good decisions? He said, one word, experience. Yeah, wow. He says, yeah. and then he says, well, how do you get experience? He says, two words, poor decisions. <laughs> yeah, for real. 
Yeah. I, does that sound like Drucker? It does. <laughs> yeah, I love Very it, concise. Yes. That's what that's what's great about his books. I mean, if you yeah. ever read his books, they're very simple, concise, and very deep and rich. When you when you read it, yeah. All right. Um, the other thing about Kurt, obviously, he's a pastor, and he's an educated man. Got some great degrees, but he's an artist. He's and, he, you know you're you're selling a short because the short time I had lunch with you, I heard more about your life than I had ever known beforehand, and I had yeah. known you before. Um, uh, Kurt's a true renaissance man. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And he is a true <laughs> renaissance man. Yeah, He is pastor, lover of Christ, um, has a has a master's in management. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, he is but he's also a musician, yeah. and he's not only just a musician, but a punk musician yeah, so, and a singer. Okay, so let's turn the clock back to when, before you were saved. Okay. If you want to give us that testimony and what you did and sure. how you evolved in uh, the medium of being a musician. So what do you want to hear? You want to hear how I got saved? Uh, I want to hear what you did before you got saved. Well, not in detail. I think it's all. I think it's kind of one. Uh, well, I, I guess like, I can, you know just the Reader's so, Digest version. Okay, yeah. So I, um, you know, I, I, you know, in high school, I just hung out with a bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah. Um, we were all, you know, skateboarders and punk music, and we would go to concerts or show. We call them shows every week, and. Um, I just, you know, when you to play a, in a punk band or, or punk music, you, you just need to know how to play like power chords. So yeah. I just got a guitar and I learned how to play it. And, uh, you know, I, when I was a freshman, I started um, playing in a band with um, just some older guys from the high school. And so that was interesting because I would go to the high school parties every weekend with them. And I was the only freshman there. And so, and then not only that, we would be playing at the parties and stuff like that. And so I got like kind of exposed to that kind of scene like really young. And then, uh, so yeah, it, it kind of developed uh, certain traits in me and, and uh, maybe tendencies that were pretty bad and uh, bad influences to me. Um, but eventually I, I started playing in another band with some closer friends and, um, my senior year of high school, my, my parents, my dad got transferred to Tucson, Arizona. And so I had to finish my senior year like living in multiple houses. And then once I graduated, my band was like, well, what do, you know, so we all, what are we going to do? We can still play or we, we can all move down to the beach. And so we all moved down to Dana Point. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then eventually I got an apartment in Laguna Niguel. And, um, we were playing a lot of shows still as, as a band, and we weren't really doing much. We were just playing, like, little local shows. And then, um, you know, when we were living down there, one of the, the guys in our band, his sister worked for a church in San Juan Capistrano, and um, she would invite us to this college group. Mm. And the other guys all went, and I was like, Eh, yeah whatever you know and 
they really wanted me to go. <laughs> like, yeah. even though they weren't really, you know, Christian themselves. <laughs> like, you know? Anyway, they're like, you got to go to this thing. I was like, eh. It's so much to the point where I remember them showing up at my job. I was working at like a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. They showed up at my work and they brought me there. And huh. I didn't know what worship was. Uh, wow. But I knew that they were worshiping something. Uh, and I wasn't able to articulate it even in th- those those terms. Yeah. And then when the guy was teaching the Bible, I was like, why is this guy talking about me? And how uh, does he know this? Oh, uh, wow. And I kind of was like chewing on it for a while. And then I was, then I kind of, whatever. Yeah. And then they were like, we're going back. And I was like, eh, no, whatever. And they did the same thing. They kind of dragged me there reluctantly. Yeah. And like, it was the same thing. And it was like, I felt God speaking to me. And I felt that there was just, these people were having some kind of a connection with something yeah. greater than themselves. Uh. And so I, um, you know, and that's kind of what I got from that experience and so while we were living out there, um, we had an opportunity to play a show over here at the Glass House in Pomona, and it was just with a bunch of local bands. And all of a sudden, like, last minute, there was this well-known band. They were going to be recording a music video in the area, and they wanted to play a show while they were in town. Mm. And they ended up, this is, they're called, like, Sum 41, Okay. And so they went on selling like millions of albums. And so the show was like packed. So it went from being a local show playing in front of like a local crowd, like in bands and all their friends to people that are genuinely going to a concert to experience music and new music and listen to music instead of just being made up of crowd is just, I'm here to support my friend, the drummer, right. <laughs> you know? Um, and so after that, a lot of opportunities started open up. We played a month later at the Glass House with the, with the band Sum 41 again when they were on a tour. They actually asked us to come and open up for them. That's awesome. And then more opportunities started opening up, and then we started playing bigger shows and bigger shows. And then before you know it, we were selling out our own shows, like That's selling awesome. you know hundreds of tickets through um, Ticketmaster. Wow. And so... What was uh, the name of your band again? It's called Rudiger. Rudiger. And... I just remember one time we were um, back to my testimony. Yeah. I um, We were playing a show in Las Vegas, and it was a really big show. And uh, something happened while we were out there to me. And uh, a lot of bad things that happened to me. You know, I got detained by the police. Um, got kicked out of a club, <laughs> like all kinds yeah. of stuff. Anyway, and then, you know, I think I got robbed. Um, and I remember we're in the van. We had this like 15 passenger van. And so we had like, everybody was on a bench. So we were just like driving back from Vegas on that road. And, and there was a guy in our, um, that used to go to our shows and he would sell like our merchandise like our CDs and shirts yeah. and stuff like that. And he, we knew him from high school. And um, I said, like, hey, man, you used to go to church, huh? He goes, because I remember he used to go to church in high school. He goes, yeah. And, like, I'm, like, hungover. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and he goes, and, and he goes, he goes, yeah. And I go, like, we should go to church. Because I felt, because 
I was as I was in that van, I didn't know God. I didn't know anything about God except for those experiences that I had at that church those two times, yeah. three times, who knows. I felt God telling me, I have something for you that is nothing like this, yeah. and I have yeah. a greater life for you, mm. but you have to trust me. Mm. And I didn't know how that would translate and how that would work practically, what that meant. Yeah. Um, and that's how I, just, I said, let's go to church. And so me and this individual, this friend of mine, uh, we would go to this church that he grew up going to. And um, we would go Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, mm. Wednesday nights, like other studies and stuff. I was going for like multiple times a week um, for like six months. like, but. And they would always give like the invitation to receive the yeah. Lord. But the thing is, is like they were studying, they were doing expository teaching, in-depth teaching. And I knew exactly what it meant to become a Christian at that point, like throughout that, because wow. um, I did not want to become a Christian because I knew that it would cost me everything that I loved. Oh, wow. And so I, I, I counted the cost and I said... That means that I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm not gonna be able to hang out with these people anymore. I'm yeah. not gonna be able to do this. My whole identity is gonna be like, my family's gonna think I'm crazy. Right. The people at my job are gonna think I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, I, I'm just thinking like, everything that is my identity is going to be completely gone. Wow. And that scared me. Um, and so there was one night, I remember it was a Sunday night or maybe a Wednesday night. It was an evening service and my friend, he wasn't able to make it to church with me. And so I, being the OCD person that I am, I said, I just went by myself. And they had a guest speaker, and it was this like evangelistic ministry. Um, and the guy gave an, an altar call at the end. Mm. And it wasn't like, like anything really different. Because I heard the gospel like, right. who knows, a, a million times by then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I, f I sensed this piece about me that I could actually, knowing that I'm going to lose everything, but I can trust God. And so what's crazy is this was a, a pretty large church. And so I'm sitting in the back. And so that's like the green mile. It's a long walk yeah. to the front of the church. Yeah, yeah. And so as I'm, I rem I'll never forget it. Walking uh, the mile, walking the green mile. Right, <laughs> right. I'll never forget that. Walking down that aisle. And I'm thinking, you're going to lose this. You're going to lose all your friends. You're going to lose your band. Wow. You're going to lose all this stuff. Like, you, you might lose your job. You might, yeah. um, you know. But, but and, and I was telling myself this. But then I said, but Lord, I trust you. Mm. And I realized, because in that moment, I, I was able to fully understand and see the throne behind my throne. Mm -hmm. like, like, it, like in Isaiah, like in the year that King Isaiah died, like yeah. the Lord showed him the sovereignty and, and the rulership of, yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. And it was in that moment where I was like, it doesn't matter if I lose everything. As long as I have God, mm -hmm. everything is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening, the things that I was most afraid of happening, happened. Yeah. I lost all my friends. <laughs> the band broke up. 
um, people at my job. I mean, I wasn't like preaching to people at my right. job. They just saw me. They would see me coming in all messed up and like. <laughs> but now they're seeing me read my Bible on my lunch break. Yeah. I had people like sat trying to sabotage me, lying to supervisors. They actually. Uh, I was working at a car dealership at this time, and they were. And, and so the manager ended up saying like, "We're gonna put you now um, washing cars in the oh, middle of December." Geez. And so, like, permanently. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, it was hard. And so, um, what ended up happening is I ended up getting more friends. I ended up starting playing music at church. Yeah. I ended up getting a job over at Western Christian Schools nice, I remember for that. 10 years. Yeah. I worked there. Um, it was, it was crazy. My, my, my parents um, came to a, a knowing relationship with the Lord. The guy that I was going to the church with, the guy that used to sell our merch, he ended up going to Bible college and becoming a youth pastor himself. Wow. Um, the singer of our band, and he's a worship pastor now at a church. Wow. That's amazing. You know, and wow. the drummer of our band, um, he put out some Christian music with some other artists and stuff like that. And wow. so... Um, you know, and it's crazy because I remember we were the last tour that we did. I remember being in Memphis. Um, the I remember we were booking shows and like the owner of this place that we were playing in Memphis. He was a pastor. It was a skate park, an indoor skate park. And the owner was a pastor, and he says, "I'll put you up in a hotel, but you got to come to church the next day." We're like, "All right," you know. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then when the guy that was booking our shows, um, he told me that. I said, hey, why don't you ask him if he'll baptize me when we're there? Oh, wow. Really? And so, because, like, I didn't know, I, I just kept reading about baptism in the Bible. Yeah. I kept reading about it in Christian literature. Uh, I wasn't baptized, and, yeah. like, I, you know, and so it was this crazy thing. He was, my, and the guy was like, okay, I'll ask him. He's like, hey, he'll say, he said he'll do it. Yeah. And so, and I remember, um, we're in Memphis, Tennessee, thousands of, thousands of miles away from home. And I'm here before my best friends making this proclamation of my faith, of my new life. Mm. And it was just the, for me, it was like the perfect way to experience this declaration of my faith. Wow. To these people that I, that I live with and that I know closest and they see that this is, the old Kurt is dead. Wow. And so this is the new me. Mm. And coincidentally, that was that church's last Sunday. Really? So it was like the death of a church. And the, the beginning. Life of me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, wow. it's, you know, it's, That's awesome. So it was like, um, huh. yeah, so that was uh, that was a very special moment. I still remember that day. I remember the sky. Wow. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, Tennessee. Any, any sky is better than a California sky. <laughs> California is pretty gross in, yeah. in terms of the air. Right, right. Um, but, um, but, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just... Uh, you know, and that's kind of how I, my, my story of how I, I came to faith and uh, wow. the, the idea of, since I became a Christian, I've, I've always understood because it, that it's everything. Yeah. It's every part of me because the reason I never gave myself to the Lord previously was because there were certain parts that I thought that I still wanted to not let go of. And so... The idea was, I want to continue. I, I, like, the idea was, like, I cannot do this unless I give everything. And what I see biblically, you cannot, like, have this fullness of life that is promised to yeah. us 
unless you are living a repentant life, trusting in the Lord and yeah. being filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Surrendered life. Yeah. So, so we spoke to the faith part of your Renaissance man, yeah. the music part of your Renaissance man. Um, no true Renaissance person is a true Renaissance person without art. Right. And I understand that you are a painter and an artist. Yeah. And so um, I guess I represent the artist, the, the, the artist, the ambassador of yes. the artist. Nice. How long ago um, did you, and I'm going to, and I'm going to say it, how long did you begin to, a long ago was it when you began to be, um, take art more seriously than you have had in the past? How long was that? You know, when I think about it and like, I know we were having kind of a similar discussion at lunch. Um, and then even when you're asking, how long have you been a pastor? Like yeah. these earmark things that are really significant, important to people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I've never kind of take those things um, seriously as to when and like, oh, this is the anniversary right, of right, this, right, and right, this right. is the celebration of this. Um, for me, uh, I never really kind of embraced of like I'm gonna be an artist. I've always kind of just thought that that's just a part of like how God has made me and mm -hmm. how how I can just I can express myself and what's going on in my heart and in my mind and in my life through creating something. And so mm -hmm. it's never been like, you know what, I'm going to kind of, this is just what I do and this is kind of, no, it's just kind of been like how I just see life and how I process um, so life. So how long ago was it that you started picking up a paintbrush and applying it to a canvas and that that's a good question. I mean, it's I mean, it's not that long ago. I can't tell you exactly when. It might have been um, seven or eight years ago. Okay. And uh, maybe I think. Okay. I think yeah. So, yeah, and it was just I was uh, I knew a person that was just having a, a a gathering of friends, and they provided canvases and brushes and mm -hmm. and um, um, and and paint, and I just started creating. I was like. And I just discovered that, hey, this is just another method of creating something and expressing myself. And I thought, I was like, oh, this is pretty, pretty, I mean, I didn't know what, I don't, I still don't think I know what I'm doing. Um, even in writing music, I don't yeah. think that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and so I, uh, yeah. I, you know, I never really create art for anybody, but just as just a mere expression for myself, okay, of so myself. Um, where do you, um, what is your, what is it about art and the process, what is that you like? For example, some of the pieces that I've seen, um, I have to say, I'm, I love your color and use of color. What, what draws you to, to the process and what are you excited about in the process and, and, um, what would be with, for lack of a better word, your style? Um, well, I, you know, or are you still finding it that that's the other thing that's, I, I think is unique about how I create things. I'm never, I never kind of like say like, all right, I'm going to schedule some time and figure this out and maybe work on something. Um, it, it always kind of just has to like come to me naturally 
and then once I start it, I want I have to complete it. Okay. And so it's not something where like I plan like I've had I think my wife got me um some canvas I don't remember, I think it was maybe for Christmas. Um and it's just or maybe even earlier. But like it's just still sitting there and I haven't had any like desire to pick it up. But I know that like you know, eventually I will. Eventually I will. <laughs> you can but, relate to this, huh? <laughs> yeah, that that welcome. Yeah, and this so, is your this is this is an old old tune. Yeah. Um, different instrument. <laughs> so finding it, that muse. Huh, the muse though? that. Yeah, yeah. So so the muse is is interesting. Sometimes it comes to me if I see like colors somewhere. Like mm. if I see, mm-hmm. I'm like I like that combination. Uh. I like that combination of colors. I wonder if I can do something with just those combinations combinations, and then maybe do something with that. Yeah. And I'll start with that as a base. And then, um, but I have to be thinking about it a lot for me to actually get out the canvas yeah. and the brushes and everything. Uh, it it kind of takes a lot to get motivated to do that. Yeah. Can we have some of your work on the screen, Joel, Luke? Oh, dang. Oh yeah, that's uh, that one's actually yeah, that's uh, one of my newer ones. Um, yeah, I don't know what I I think I saw something. Uh, I'm trying to think of how I came up with those colors, but um, I don't remember what I was doing. But I just remember it needed something to pop, and that's when I added the pink. And I normally like wouldn't use pink for some yeah not that there's anything wrong with the color but it's just not a color i've ever really what used. what what co- pink yeah okay yeah and this was like a neon pink i, yeah. I think i had some neon paint for some random reason i don't know okay. why so uh let me just ask a question um so in that i see like in the uh, upper uh left hand corner there's that border of that's the pink you're talking about yeah, and then also kind oh, of in the middle. In as the well. middle. Yeah. Okay. So is that is that an underpainting? No. So, okay. So the, I. I what, so, so well, wait a second. So um, that's really there's nothing underneath that. No. Okay. There's nothing underneath it. Basically, I'll add like the like sometimes I'll use like black, um, so, certain colors to allow like the other colors to pop. Yeah. However, in this case, because I actually had too much black. I added the pink and to allow the other colors to pop. It's interesting. <laughs> First of all, I love it. Um, it. And I love the fearlessness in it. A couple of reasons why I say fearless is, um, um, as soon as you said black, I went, <laughs> yeah. because I, I, I try to avoid black as much as I possibly can because because of its tendency to be muddy. Yeah. But you but you're you just use black and so there's a very bold a very great boldness in it. Yeah. Um and um but it's interesting that you talk you've been talking a lot about the pink. Well that yeah, you're that's using because in there. like you said the black like my inexperience like I didn't know that that's what would happen. Okay. But but here's here's what I'm saying is is that we're not seeing me personally. I'm not seeing the pink. Oh, okay. That's for me. That's all I see. I'm seeing the yellow. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting, dude. Three quarters of it is painted yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I guess you're right. And I'm, and and so that's that. It's brilliant piece. It it really is. Mm. It really is a nice abstract piece. And the reason and the the reason why it's good is because the painting pops. Um, the painting pops not because of the pink. The painting pops because of that beautiful bright level that's coming. That's that is framed by the dark around it. Now, and I think what the pink has done, and and I think what the pink has done has softened the shadow. Yeah, mm. for sure. Of that, and and it really has softened the shadow, and allowing that beautiful swath of yellow <laughs> to yeah. go through, um, to go through that painting. The pink is used as as the pink is used as a frame, is yeah. what I would, as right. I would say that. Right, and as you can see, like I and I do this with pretty much all of my paintings. I paint the edges of the canvas like a like a frame with black. Uh-huh. And, uh, I do too. Uh, yeah, and so it kind of like I said, it, for me, it, I, it makes a lot of the colors pop when I do that. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, it's no, it's a good piece. <laughs> is it tied? Do you have a title for it? No. All right. No, I don't. I don't have any. Yeah. Okay. Do you have like, more? Like I said, like I said, um, when I, I create things, I don't like, like say, like, all right, now this is gonna be called this. Right. For me, these are only just for me, like in my personal yeah. expression. And that, and 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 that, and I think Jackson Pollock would say the same thing. Yeah. Everybody who is an artist would say, this is for me. This is a great topic. Look, at, I just put my first name on there. I don't yeah. even like, like just, yeah. j- you know, um, I think, uh, Joel, I think I, there's one of, there's a big one that I'm painting. I think I, I sent you. Yeah. Um, uh, let's take a look at the next one. There's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the process. Of so things. this is um, the story that I was telling Joel about. Um, if you want to go back to the picture of the, the, the empty canvas against my truck. So... <laughs> I bought this um, canvas at a thrift store for like $19. As you can see, it's got a bow in it. Yeah. It's got some big old stains stain on, on it. it. Yeah. And yeah. so, but it was $19. I didn't really know what I was doing with painting, but I figured I'm never going to get like a deal like this. I think like a blank canvas like that is like five or six. So it's a bucks. stretched canvas on this frame. Yeah. 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 So, and then I just, you know, I took it home. The staples I, I, along the side? Or is it gallery wrapped? Uh, I don't know. I okay. think it's staples. Okay. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, and then I realized because I've only done like one or two pieces and then like this is going to be like my next one. Yeah. And so like, look at, I mean, look at, that's like a Dodge Dakota right there. <laughs> and it's, it's huge. And so uh, I really, I really bit off a little more than I can chew with this uh, one. But if you can see like the, the, the second photo of this one, uh, that one right there, that's kind of as I was kind of coming along uh, with it. Okay. Uh, Is this before you were married? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was, uh, yeah, so it kind of, uh, it took a while. And and as you can see, everything is kind of really random. I like it, though. And it, I One of my favorite things in the whole wide world are blank canvases. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing, sometimes I just like to sit and look at a canvas. Well, and imagine the, the, what can be there. That's well, the so thing neat. is, it's it was so big, so the scale of everything that you do has to be bigger than oh, what absolutely. you're used. And so I didn't realize that until I started getting into it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this absolutely. Is lesson learned. I don't think I'm going to buy a canvas this big again for a while. Mm. Um, and then, Ooh, yeah, I would love it. Oh, yeah. So and yeah, there's the and there's the pretty com- much the final the final. Of and it. as you can see, like yeah, the black 
outline of that and, uh-huh. and whatnot. So anyway. Yeah. So does your wife let you do this now in the house? Yeah. yeah of right. course, that's actually in her loft before we were married. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. That's actually where my, my office is right now. Nice. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So right now, I have my, that's that's a spot where my office is. That's great. I built... look, look how sweetly he puts a little cloth underneath it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, a towel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that nearly you're, enough. You're a big mess. Yeah. Do you have any more? Um, not of the art. Okay. I, 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 uh, I've got, I've got that live piece over here. All right. Let, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to see that. So we'll have, we'll put a picture up of this late, later. But this is a great piece. It's very. Um, you can put it. Okay. Sure. Yeah. There you okay. go. And that's the way it goes, right? No, it goes. Uh, uh, pari- um, that landscape. Horizontal. Yeah. Turn it. Uh, the dark clockwise. on the bottom. Yeah. Clockwise. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Is it a um, is it a landscape, Kurt? Um, no, it's Perfect. just like the other ones, basically. Okay, it's just, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just. Uh, um, it does kind of look like a like a landscape, I know, mm-hmm. uh, with the the blue and the the yellow sky, uh, but no. Okay, walk us through the process. And then, okay, so from start to finish on this, what colors did you use? So yeah, I uh, I started with the blue, okay. right there. And then um, I kind of mixed in a couple other colors there. Um, I added, this is actually the, the, the latest one I've done. Um, then the yellows, and then I started like, you know, messing with some of the blues you see in the top right corner mm-hmm. there. Um, and then um, I looked at it, and it was still kind of like a little, didn't do anything for me. So okay. I, I, I see, then I was like, well, what can I do to contrast all of it? And so that's where I put the red. Yeah, that's my favorite part. Yeah, that's neat. The red um, on the on the bottom and on the top a little bit. Uh-huh. And so it kind of and it kind of allows you to kind of get more deeper into the actual okay. painting. Do you do you paint? Does the paint go from palette to canvas, or is there any of this that? Um, the paint applied directly to the canvas. What do you mean? What does that mean? Did you squirt paint on the canvas and then paint, no. or did you have it no, in no. the palette? And palette. Then, okay. Yeah, palette. Like I said, yeah. Um, I'm just doing what I can do. I, I. That's actually a technique I'm interested in trying. What's like, that? Uh, putting some. Just putting just some. Right yeah. There. Yeah. It's great but fun, I, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Probably get good textures that way too. Yeah, you. You're, yeah, I'm, I'm really not into textures fun. yet, but mm. you know, that's lovely. So you said something that is fascinating to me, and something that we talked about at lunch too, but, and it is that you're not necessarily doing this for other people. You're doing it as an expression for yourself. Yeah. Is that is that? Well, not necessarily like it's not for myself. It's yeah. just an expression of myself. Of yourself. Just kind of it's like something that like, you know, it's just a part. This is, you know, if you get to know me, this is a part of like yeah. me. This is a this is one way that I can express myself. Um, and so it, it's not like I'm like I'm going to painting all these things right. to go put them up in a gallery and try to sell them. It's it's more of just like, yeah, this is just like an expression yeah. of, of me. Okay, can we talk about your solo career a little bit? Oh, with the music? Sure. Yeah, because that was also an expression sure. of yourself. Sure. And I love that. So one of the things that we haven't said about Kurt 
as I might what this was probably twelve years ago, fifteen years ago. Kurt was the Inland Empire Musician of the Year yeah. as a solo artist, right? For two years. For two years, yeah. <laughs> as a solo artist. Yeah. And uh, at that time, I was I was a youth pastor, and I took some I took some of my kids to some of your shows. <coughs> Luke, did you go to a show with me with Kurt? I don't. I think that was before. Was that was, before you? Okay. Um. And one of the things that was so such a a, a landmark of your show, your, your solo shows is that they were very expressive. Yeah. I mean, specifically for, you know, in, you know, here's the air quotes, a Christian artist. Yeah. Your music was very, very expressive and you were solo. So tell, yeah. can, tell me the difference between your band, your, your, your time as an artist in a band versus your time as an artist, as a solo yeah. artist and maybe even how it's connected to your visual art yeah it's I, I think it's all pretty much the same thing in terms of you know if you listen to some of my songs there's not really a formula to how they're so there's some songs that don't even have a chorus mm -hmm. um, I'm not like necessarily creating them um, for people to like rock out to in their car or to listen to listen to or or even to like evangelize people. Yeah. Um, these huh. this is just was just a method for me to use what God has given me to express myself, and um, that's honestly like if I had the when I would play live, um, my my intention wasn't to like I'm gonna just sell try to sell as many CDs and try to pump that up and, um, you know, maybe get more opportunities. More so, it was like, I hope that people see this work that God has done in my life mm. through this, this, um, these songs. And um, because, like, if I'm... Sh and that's what's the thing about, um, you know, using the, <laughs> the word as an artist, like... Especially when it's you're using like literal like words and lyrics, it's you put yourself in a very vulnerable place. It's not like a pain like an abstract painting. Right. You're you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable place to let them. And if you're and when you're sharing it with people, you're letting them see some very very deep parts of your life that you normally maybe wouldn't feel comfortable even talking about unless you really really knew them. Yeah. And so it's 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 very interesting when you um, you know you go and you play in front of like a thousand people and you're doing something you're you're playing these songs to maybe a room full of people that most of them likely aren't even Christian. Yeah. Um, and so it's uh, it's a very very interesting place as opposed to playing for a crowd when you're just playing to express um, yourself. Um, so like I never went into it. I'm going to go and be this entertainer and entertain right. these people. I'm just going to let, let them see what's, what God is flowing out of my life. Wow. Wow. I don't think that that gets done a whole lot. Right. I mean, even in, in the Christian music industry, that's usually not the philosophy or the approach. And kind of as we were sharing in my, when we were having lunch, like yeah. and that was one of the things that I struggled with. Yeah when I became a Christian because I was in the music industry as a non-Christian 
um, playing music for myself right. and for the world. Right. But when I became a Christian, remember, I walked down the green mile. Yeah, yeah. And I realized that my identity was gone. Kurt Phillips, as I knew it, was dead. Yeah. My new identity was son of the living God. Yeah. Wow. And my identity was no longer Kurt the musician, Kurt the artist, Kurt the punk guy, yeah. you know, Kurt the guy that works over here, Kurt the this or that, you know. Um, it was like, I'm a Christian. And so that was one of the things that I struggled with when I started. Um, and God had to do a tremendous work in me in that because I was, I didn't want to get angry or judge. Um, because it's like when I would fellowship with other Christian musicians or worship teams, um, all they would all they would talk about is music and guitars and like and equipment and things like that. Where it's like, for me, like I'm a new Christian. All I want to talk about is the Lord. It's like, yeah, we can. <laughs> like, it's like this is like, yeah, this is like a part of my life. But like, I'm not like this isn't so much a part of my life. That's all I want to talk about. Yeah. And and not only that, like. I could care. God could take this away from me, and I've already accepted the fact I can because I've already lost everything. And if I lose it again, I know from experience that God is going to take care of me. Yeah. So like, it didn't really even matter to me for me to kind of obsess over these things. And so, um, you know, like the whole thing, people go like, <laughs> you know, like you know, like uh, after church, people go, "So how was worship today?" I don't know. Why don't you ask God? <laughs> you know, like you know, it's like. Like, you know, like, uh, you know what? Because that's that's exactly right. We we think um, it's for us. Yeah, it's for us. Yeah. And that and that worship. God is the audience. We're not. Yeah. We're right. not. Right. And that's that's interesting. I there's something that it keeps coming back to me, and I just have to share it. You keep you use the word Green Mile, <laughs> walking down the Green Mile, and and you walk down that aisle. And in the movie, The Green Mile, The Green Mile is that, that what takes you to your death. Your death yeah. And your, your Green Mile that you walked mm. took you to death. Yeah. And a new life. Yeah. That, Beautiful. Yeah. Who okay. said it? When Jesus calls us, he bids us to die. To die. Yeah, it's probably C.S. Lewis. The thing is, wasn't Bonhoeffer? Well, probably Bonhoeffer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who. There is so much freedom yeah. in that death. Yeah. When you're no longer holding on to things or yeah. titles or positions. Well, I think or I gifts. read something like that in I don't know Romans. Yeah. <laughs> and Galatians. Like, and so. You know, like the, the the whole Christian music scene was really, really um, interesting. Like I said, like and like and like even if people would like criticize or judge my leading of worship. They were saying like, "Oh well, uh, you know, like I didn't really like it when you did this." And I would just say, "Well, good thing it wasn't for you." Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like and yeah. so it's like um, I think that's you know, and so it's uh, you know, and so for me, it's just been. Uh, you know, I, I am blessed and I am mm -hmm. humbled that God has shown me these things, but I, 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 I've, it took, it's taken years for God to kind of continue to work this out and sh continue to show grace and mercy 
and love um, to those that like, because like easily instantly I'm like, man, like you need to get right with the Lord. <laughs> like it's like, like, like why are why is your identity so wrapped up in this stuff? Yeah. Where it's like, um, you know, and so it's, uh, yeah. Wow. Well, it's a powerful, your, your, your testimony is powerful in that it communicates the importance of knowing who you are and whose you are, mm -hmm. the, the, the message of identity, mm. which is a powerful message for today. Absolutely. Because everybody, they, we don't know who we are anymore. <laughs> and so there's only one clear constant, and that's Jesus. And, yeah. And I think we have a powerful anchor to invite people to. Yeah. To find out who their true self is, right? <laughs> to discover their self. Which again, Kurt, you would say there's freedom yes. when you walk that mile yeah. and when you give we, it all up. We think that often too many times uh, we forget that what Jesus really wants from us is us. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't want our piety. He doesn't want our righteousness. He wants us yeah. and who we are and everything that we are. Yeah. And that's why he adores us. You know, another thing I... I just want to encourage people that are listening to this part about, you know, Kurt sharing like he knew he, he, he knew that he was going to lose these things. He was going to lose his band. Yeah. He was going to lose his community of, of friends. You know, he was going to lose a uh, position at work. And now in retrospect, yeah, he did lose his cool punk band. But God gave him a platform to express himself mm. in a better way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, God took all those things away, but he... Gave you something better. He gave me more. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, you know, like, when I, you know, seeing my parents walk with the Lord. Yeah. You know, seeing my best friends that I grew up with walk with the Lord. Yeah. The, your, your friends that <laughs> yes. are now serving in, in ministry. Bank. Yeah. And... You know, and even your career that you were questioning. Um, you're now a graduate of the Drucker School of Business and you run a church and you have a, a great job. That's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. All glory to God. All glory to God. Our word? Yeah. So, okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to just give a little prophecy over you and, and your calling and, and what what we see in you. This is the best part of having guests. Yeah. Is when we have guests, we we get to um, to scour the art world for things that inspire us and we listen to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And um, Josh and I, just between lunch and that came to the conclusion that of what a, what a great warrior you are. Yeah, a fighter. And a fighter you've come through. So... Um, this 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 piece that I want to show you is not new to the Art of Faith podcast, but will probably be new to you. It is a piece by one of my favorite artists, who happens to be an illustrator, N. C. Wyatt. Yeah, and it is David the Shepherd. Yeah, David the King. Yeah, the musician. David the poet. Yeah, David the warrior. Hmm. And. This is the one. This is the fighter, yeah. who sees an obstacle in front of him that seems insurmountable, and I and and I 
and it's really interesting that he picked that because evidently N.C. Wyeth likes pink too. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> because there's, I love that pink. And so I think what God is saying to you is, first of all, I want to, want to he, I, Lord, I want to get this right. Please be assured you are his man. Mm. Please be assured that you have, you have stepped forward. Um, a lot of those at that, in this thing, in this incident that is portrayed here, in this incident, the people watching David step forward thought he was walking his green mile. Mm -hmm. And this was his last last act on earth before he would be destroyed by Goliath. And, um, and you are, the best part of David, according to scripture, is not anything that he did. The best part was he was a man after God's own heart. Mm. And that's why God chose him. And that's why God loved him. And God is saying to you, you're a man after my heart. Yeah, I'm going to post on that too. This is the perfect picture for Kurt. Because in many ways, you know, and, and not just Kurt, many pastors are facing a giant. Yeah. You know, and in the city of Claremont, we face some big giants. And, you know, Kurt's always stood his ground on his convictions and on what what is truth. Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree with this, that Kurt is, uh, he is a David fighting a Goliath, and he's gone into territories, into fields that you and I haven't been in, and he's fought some big boys, and yeah. we're very proud of him for doing that. But what God gave me on this one is that when David went in to fight Goliath, he went into a stream and he picked out five smooth stones. Yeah. And that is his preparation. And you have chosen to prepare yourself for battle with the right tools. Um, specifically, education. So you have a stone of education. Specifically, theology. You dedicated yourself to going to a great school to learn proper theology, that you have a strong foundation. Third stone, the arts. It's a tool that you're using in your ministry. Uh, fourth stone, business. Like, I mean, you said it yourself. You had to learn the books. You had to learn the marketing. Like, you're not just running a church. Practically, you're running a business. Yeah. Um, the fourth stone, I think, has something to do with your wife. Yeah. And yeah. I'll let you discover that one. Yeah. But those specific tools are all in your hand. They're all in your belt. And you'll know when to use them to, to strike. Yeah. You'll know. You'll know. And you do. So from one pastor to another, we want to support you and bless you. And you have a unique, creative expression of the gospel in the city of Claremont. And if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Amen. You're the, one who's, you're the one who's stepped out of the crowd. Yeah. And say, I got this. I'll yeah. do this. Most church plants inside of this city die, but, but you fought and you made 
<laughs> you made a church that was probably, it was going to go down. But you, you said, here I am, Lord, send me. And because you did that, Tapestry is alive today. And it is... And we're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. And in creative ways, it's reached and ministered and trained hundreds. Yeah. So, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen and amen. So with that, thank you for joining us. Uh, We're going to mess around next time with Joel's art. So we're going to have a good time looking at some of his pieces that are inspired by music, and we'll connect it. I'll get uh, art history nerdy. Uh, with uh, with, My Kandins- favorite. with Kandinsky. All right, God bless you guys. Thanks for watching.